Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask, where everyone has something they can teach you. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we are going to explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. As a CPA for the past 30 years, wait, let me say 25 because that makes me sound younger. I have seen it all when it comes to money and emotions. And if you think I'm talking about my clients, I'm not. I'm talking about myself. My relationship with money has been, and sometimes still is, an emotional roller coaster. Maybe that's something you're also familiar with. Good news. You and I are not the only ones. Our next guest is going to share their money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges as well. Buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Our next guest is Rennie Gabriel, the financial coach. Rennie is a man who has seen both great success and tough times. After two divorces and a business failure, he was left broke at the age of 50. However, Rennie refused to give up and became a multimillionaire, learning the three secrets of the wealthy along the way. He has now written an award-winning, best-selling book called Wealth on Any Income and donates 100% of the profits from his online programs to rescue dogs and soldiers. Rennie, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you, Bob. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Rennie, I have to jump right in. You had some tough times and you've had some good times. A couple of divorces. That can be expensive emotionally and financially. Yes. It was more the financial than it was the emotional because from the standpoint of, oh, my life is going to be a little bit easier with these women out of my life. <laughs> but it cost you. Oh, yeah. But I paid for it. Absolutely. <laughs> you paid for it. And you also had a business that failed. Oh, yeah. And there's that. I mean, I just want to bring up all the good memories. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so kind. I mean, for a lot of people listening out there that have struggled, that have had a business, have tried something and failed, that can be a real hit to the ego or even just to the momentum that we're trying to get ahead. How did you stay in the game? Because you talk about you refuse to give up. But for a lot of people, it's just not that easy. Yeah, well... It's desperation. The business, it was an art gallery business and it was mm -hmm. 1982. And the economy was just as bad as or worse than we had in 2008 and things of that nature. But what I do remember was being three months behind on making the mortgage payment yeah. with the bank threatening to foreclose, with going out and collecting soda bottles and cans to get the refund money so I could buy food for my family. So, you know, when I look at my situation now, I can say, I know what it's like to be broke, really broke. I can have sympathy for people. But when I get to the desperation, it's like, this is going to be a little bit embarrassing. But can you see someone who is a certified financial planner collecting bottles and cans to get refund money? Yeah. Okay. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And we've all been there. Right. We've all been there and it does feel embarrassing. Oh, absolutely. What if you know, I'm a failure? I can't support my family. I got yeah. professional designations. I'm not earning a living. Yeah, exactly. But the interesting thing that I take away from this is a lot of people would have said, well, I'm a certified financial planner. I shouldn't be doing this. I won't do it. And yet you were humble enough to say, 
I really don't like being here, but I'm going to go and get the freaking bottles and I'm going to recycle. And that, I think, is a key difference for a lot of people. You still are willing to do it. Yeah, doing whatever it takes. And we're going to talk about embarrassing things. Here's what I've discovered, which I think is crucial. And you've probably heard it before, but when it comes to money, parents can't teach what they don't know. Yeah. Teachers also can't teach what they've never learned. But what I really discovered, because I owned a pension administration company at one point in time, and all of our business came from referrals from CPAs. And I started asking the CPAs, was it in your coursework to teach your clients how to do personal budgets? So far, not one <laughs> of the hundreds I've asked said there was any budgeting or personal financial training in their coursework. Right. And now I'm a certified financial planner. Like I said, it wasn't in mine either. The foundations are not there and the public will turn to their CPA or their financial planner and expect to learn how to do the fundamentals because they didn't get it in school or from their parents. It's not there. It's not there. And I work with financial planners. I work with attorneys and I do taxes for all these folks. They struggle like the rest of us if they didn't get the download. Yep. And so, I mean, I spent a lot of time, and like I said, I'm going to get to one more embarrassing thing. I'm finally in my 40s. <laughs> oh, that's, I, I love your humor because I thought you were 30, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And I end up going to a 12-step program called Debtors Anonymous. And that's where I learned how to handle money on a personal foundational level, a 12-step program. And that's a great program. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of solid information for people out there struggling. They've got great information and it also addresses the mindset. Exactly. And all that personal stuff, because that's a big part of it. We were joking offline and you said, I have trouble doing eight divided by two, <laughs> right? The math is not your forte, but a lot of people will say to me, I can't do tax stuff. I can't make lots of money because I don't know numbers. Yeah, no. You don't have to know numbers to be able to make a lot of money and do other things. Oh, yeah. I'm proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a D in math in high school, but that was because the teacher knew I was doing my absolute best. I turned in all the homework. But the reality is I failed every single exam. Yeah. But he knew I was trying my hardest. So he gave me a D. But the reality is I failed high school math. Yeah. Well, I think part of the problem, my perspective only, we don't make some of the fundamentals fun or interesting. Mm. And I don't think we do enough to engage people to want to understand math or to want to understand budgeting and money management and all these things that are definitely foundational. Yeah, you're right. Because if it's not fun, it's difficult to tackle. And one of the things I avoid talking about or doing budgets. And the reason for it is, if you think of a budget, you think of lack, sacrifice, deprivation, yeah. all that stuff. It's like a diet. What are the first three letters of the word diet? Yeah, die, die. Yeah, <laughs> it is not enrolling to either diet or to budget. Right. Well, the term I use, and I picked it up from, I think it was Dominguez, I can't remember his first name now, and Vicky Robin. Anyway, it's, I support people to create a spending plan. Yeah. Let's spend money in alignment with the goals you want to achieve. 
Let's spend money in the categories that you enjoy. Let's spend more there and less in the categories you don't enjoy. A spending plan is appealing because it's about spending money, not budgeting. Right. Not lack. Exactly. Not lack. Not sacrifice, not deprivation. Exactly. And when you work with people, what has been your experience as the one or two biggest obstacles for people getting in their own way? Well, the two biggest obstacles, one is mindset, which you touched on, and the other is lack of knowledge. It's different from the standpoint of mindset when you're dealing with someone who's overweight, as an example. They have the knowledge to lose weight. Bob, what are the two things that support people to lose weight? Probably not eating or eating healthy. <laughs> yeah, 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 eating less. And what's the second thing? Well, knowing your nutrition, knowing what to eat. That's still a part of the food thing. Uh -oh, Come on, Bob, okay. you can do this. Oh, no, I'm not going to lose any weight. Well, I fasted last week and I lost eight pounds. Okay, <laughs> so, so you I, fasted. What else could you do to burn up some of that food? Oh, you could exercise. There we go. There we go. See, thank you for the spoon feeding. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about food and I'm Talking about yes. food. <laughs> anyway, so yes. Now, do you think there's an obese person that lacks the knowledge of if they eat less and move, they could lose weight? Right. Yeah. So knowledge is the booby prize. But when it comes to finances, the knowledge is missing. Yep. There's no easy way to know how to do a personal budget. I mean, I created my own forms based on what I learned in Debtors Anonymous. Yeah. To take care of the things that don't show up monthly, like auto registration or repairs or back to school clothing for kids. People don't know how to plan for the unexpected without having some guidelines. Yeah. And it's not taught anywhere. It's not. And I think a lot of us just think because we're supposed to know better, we're just going to pretend like we know better instead of meeting ourselves where we are. Instead of saying, yeah, I don't actually really know a whole lot of this stuff. I might need to ask questions. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's like we're all supposed to know it, like we're going to get it through osmosis. Right. But it doesn't happen. It's interesting. When I used to go to continuing education classes for CPA licensing, and some person's teaching and they're using a whole bunch of big words with more than two syllables. <laughs> and I would sit there and go, uh, excuse me, I have no idea what you're talking about. Can you talk to me like I'm an idiot? Because I'm an idiot. And I could see everybody around me going, thank you, thank you, thank you. Nobody wanted to ask the question. And I'm just like, look, I'm from Tennessee. I'm not bright. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Help me out. Because like, I didn't know. And then once they explained it in a way, I could say, oh, I get it. But pretending to know just didn't ever, it didn't serve me well. No, it leaves you in the dark. And I'm not too embarrassed to say, I mean, it may embarrass the speaker that he's talking above people's heads. Right. Because that is not how any of us learn. No, no. I don't need to be impressed. I just need the information so I can yeah. go out and help people. Yeah, I try and stay with the 25 cent words. Yeah, exactly. They, they're easier for me. One syllable, I'm gold. I'm gold. <laughs> um, how do you deal with folks? Because there's a lot of people who say, yeah, that's true for everybody else. I'm special. I'm special. Those things aren't going to work for me. I can't get wealthy on any income. I can't get a head start. I'm going to miss out. Yeah, and that's where the mindset piece really has to come into play. In my book, the first third of it, 
is devoted to what are the blocks that you're facing? What's the emotional stuff that's in the way? And here are the steps to take to get it out of the way. And if I don't have that first third handled where I'm moving their emotional stuff off to the side, the latter two thirds of the book with the tips and the techniques, is just a waste of print because they're not going to be able to put it into use. And the best story that I have to illustrate that, I've got many, but one of them was two attorneys, a husband and wife attorney set. The wife came to me and said, Rennie, my husband wants to borrow $12,000 against the equity in our house because we're short $12,000 to pay income taxes. Mm. But she didn't say it calmly. She was screaming at me. Right. And I said, I knew her to be a calm person. I said, my gosh, what's going on? I've never heard you talk like this. It's the third year in a row. Mm. They're borrowing against the equity in the house to pay income taxes. Wow. So we get together. And now this goes back 30 years ago. He was earning a good living. He's earning 180000 a year. She wasn't doing much work as an attorney. So we fill out the form that I'm talking about. By the way, if any of your listeners want it, they can send me an email. I'll send them the forms. Awesome. Awesome. We fill out the form and we're guessing. So what do you think you spend here, there, whatever? One of the categories that stands out was meals out. And he says, well, we probably spend $600 a month eating out. Again, this is 30 years ago. Right. Okay, that's a lot of money. So I ask him to track what he's spending. I give him what I call a little spending register. You write down wherever you spent money, how much you spent. He says, you expect me to write 25 cents in this register at a parking meter? I say, yes, you can do that for six weeks. That's all I'm asking for. Just do it for six weeks. He says, all right, for six weeks, I'll do it. We get together six weeks later. We figure out what a typical four-week period would look like. And again, the category that stands out is meals. He wasn't spending 600 a month eating out. Now that he tracked it, he found out he was spending 1600 a month. Yeah. Wow. That's a thousand dollars a month. He ate everything he needed to pay his taxes. Right. Wow. And from that, getting through the mindset, getting him willing to do it, his financial life transformed. He was no longer short paying the income taxes. He was able to buy a new car. He was able to take a vacation with the family. He was able to do all sorts of things he wasn't able to do before, including paying down $90,000 in short-term loans over the next 24 months. And guess how much more money he was earning besides, he was earning 180 when we started. Guess what he was earning two years later? I hope he was at 250. (laughs) No. He was still at 180. Oh, wow. All of that occurred because he changed how he was handling what was coming in. Yeah. Awareness is such a pain point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, believe me, that's what I faced at age 50, broke after two divorces and a business failure. You know, we don't want to know, like, there's part of us like going, nope, as long as I don't know, it's 600 for the food. It's 600. Because if we know, then we actually might have to take action. Or we have to give up our story of our sad little pitiful me. That's correct. And those who are willing to face it, transform it. Yeah. It's hard though. And for you, Debtors Anonymous and different things, how can people, because it's embarrassing, how do we ask for support? Do we go to a financial advisor? Do we go to a financial coach? You can. Because of the embarrassment, 
the advantage of going to a 12-step program is everyone in the room is facing the same problems. Right. They're recognizing they're not alone. I've had people who've come to me and said, I've gone to a financial planner or I've gone to my CPA and I explain my situation. They talk down to me. Mm -hmm. They say, what's wrong with you? You just need to do a personal budget, but they don't show me how. But in a 12-step program, whether it's alcoholics, whether it's debtors, whether it's anything, you're not alone. And therefore, they're willing to talk about this stuff. They're willing to support one another. Yeah, it's so interesting because it is embarrassing. Our family's going to judge us. Yep. I have had many clients that are afraid if their parents find out, they won't love them anymore, right? Mm. As if there's a dollar amount at which parents stop <laughs> loving children. And maybe there is, you know, but there's this whole belief system, this mindset that I'm not enough if I can't do these things. And if I don't know, I should have known, even though nobody told me. And then there's shame, like not even be able to get the download right, even though it wasn't given to you. You're absolutely right. And that's a frustrating thing for me because that is what blocks us from transforming our situations, growing, developing, and succeeding is the embarrassment of what someone else is going to say, how someone else is going to judge us. It could be a mother, a father, a sibling. It could be a school teacher. It could be anyone. And until we recognize we are whole, we are enough personally, I mean, I don't give a darn what other people think of me. It's right. none of my business. Right. And when I got to that is when the transformations began to occur. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing. And I do talk about this a bit. For a while, I was afraid to step up or speak out because somebody might judge me or somebody might not like me. The reality is there's people that don't like me. There's people that are judging me. They're already doing it. Yeah. So like, who cares? Let them, you know, give them more stuff to talk about, <laughs> whatever. But for me, for a while, that held me back. Like, oh, I just... People, they might talk. No, they're talking. Just go for it. What's true for you? Yeah, one of the funniest experiences I had was in a seminar where a part of it was I needed to build a PERT chart, a flow chart, mm -hmm. which I had no idea how to do. And in the, we probably had about 100 people in the seminar. And I'm somewhere in my 40s. And I realized up until that point, I never wanted to ask for help. I was raised as a latchkey kid. I was completely responsible for everything. I didn't figure anyone else was going to help me. There's no point in asking for help. And in the seminar, I finally realized I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to have a breakthrough. And there was one person in the course who I thought is such a nerd. He's got the pocket protector in his pocket for the pencils and the pens. And he's sitting there in the front of the room doing push-ups by himself. I mean, this guy's an embarrassment. Right. <laughs> so I say, I need for my project to design a PERT chart, and I don't know how. Is there anyone in the room who could help me? Guess what? The only person in the room who offered to help me was the nerd I didn't want to talk to. <laughs> And he was such a wonderful person and he helped me do it. It turns out he was an engineer for some aerospace company and this is what he did for a living. Wow. Wow. And so what I learned from that are two things. You don't accomplish anything if you're not willing to ask for help and you never know where it's going to come from. Yeah. 
I mean, my life began to transform when I became willing to ask for help. And then as I started to learn about businesses and the most successful businesses, they are not run by one person. Right. Now, Bob, you know who Warren Buffett is, right? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you probably know who Charlie Munger is, don't you? I've heard the name. (laughs) Okay. He's half of Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. Warren is a visionary. And Charlie's an execution master. Right. And when I look at Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, Elon Musk and Gwen Shotwell, and you look at the most successful businesses and you've got more than one person running it. Right. My business failures were when I was alone. Right. My business successes are when I had partners. And the reason I was able to go from broke at age 50 to multimillionaire at 58 is because I recognized if I have partners, it'll happen. And I had a realtor and my wife. And the three of us went from the first three-unit property we purchased to another 47 units on top of that within five years. Wow. I created this expression, wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. Yeah. And that involves asking for help and working with other people. And that is what created the success that I've ended up having. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I ended up bringing in a partner into my CPA firm. I was doing so much work and ready to have a mental breakdown just because it was a lot of pressure. And bringing in another person that had a different perspective, that had the same perspective with clients and stuff, I mean, picking the partner is important as well. Like finding somebody that's in alignment with your values and integrity and all that. But it was a life changer bringing in somebody else and sharing the wealth instead of like, no, I have to do it all by myself. It's got to have my name on the door. Like, yeah, I want some peace of mind. And I like working with other people. It's a little more fun. Yeah. Sharing the load is so much easier. I mean, when someone dies and you go to their funeral, you don't have one person trying to lift the casket. Right. You got six people. That's right. Well, in my family, they're just, they've got eight people because they want to get them buried as quick as possible. (laughs) Get them in the ground. Don't let them back. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Well, let me ask you this. I was thinking about with a lot of people and support is so important, but in my family, and it took me a while to see this, and I can't imagine I'm in the only family that does this, where money was used as a substitute for love. If I give you some money, will you love me? Or will you behave a certain way? And my grandparents didn't feel like they were deserving. So they would bribe us with money to like them better than the other grandparents. And of course we did, because we liked getting the money. Why not? Sure. For a hundred bucks, I like you better. And, (laughs) but what I didn't realize was later in life, I realized I had been doing that same thing. If I didn't know how to solve a problem, throw money at it and you don't have to talk it through somebody's not behaving, withhold money until they behave better. And I'm wondering if you come across this, is this familiar? (laughs) It's familiar from situations like you're explaining. It reminds me of the cartoon I saw where the guy is on the slave ship and whipping the uh, people rowing the boat saying, if morale does not improve, I will whip you more or (laughs) however it goes. Yeah. The whipping will continue until the morale improves. Right. And that's what I'm hearing from you. I have fortunately not experienced it personally, but I have run across a few people when they've talked to me that, yes, love was measured in dollars. It's so interesting because with some of my clients, 
and people, whether it's in coaching or tax clients, people are devastated when they get written out of the will last minute by a spiteful parent. I'm going to give it all to the other, you know, I'll name, I'll give them 10 bucks so it can't be disputed that I didn't think of them. But people walk away and what's left in a will or in a trust to the beneficiaries can be devastating when it unfolds in the end. Yeah, but it's so funny that you brought it up because it does remind me of a personal experience. My stepdaughter has a father who equated her obedience with some future benefit in his will. And the problem was he had a personality disorder that was diagnosed and she just didn't want to work with him. And when she got married, uh, prior to the marriage, her fiance at the time said, you cannot exclude your dad from the wedding. We do need to create a line of communication with him. She hadn't spoken to him in six years. Wow. And so he opened up a line of communication. They started talking. And a year later, he went off the rails again. He didn't show up at the wedding, all the rest of this stuff. But her comment was, I don't want to be in his will. It is not worth it right. to have this communication. Yeah. I mean, she withdrew herself from any inheritance. Yeah. And you have to be willing to walk away if a game's being played that you don't want to play. Exactly. For her mental peace of mind, Yeah, it's what she had to do. And I support her. Yeah, absolutely. What about people, like I know for myself, one of the reasons that I was always like, I got to get it together. I got to make money. I've got to... I never felt like I had a safety net. I wasn't going to inherit a lot of money. I've had to contribute towards my parents. And so it hasn't been something like, oh, I can't wait to get my three million. (laughs) Not happening. And so I almost frantically with anxiety worked extra hard because I knew ain't nothing going to catch me. And I wonder if you come across clients like that where like they're their only hope. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I've not only come across clients like that who, don't have children that are going to help them out, whose parents passed away and left nothing or who have parents and they have to support them. But personally, that's the situation I was in because of my emotional state. I have fun talking about this, but as a five-year-old kid coming home and there's no one there and realizing I'm taking, I have to take care of myself, having the attitude that there's no reason to ask for help, no one's going to be there for you is Having a five-year-old mentality running a 40-year-old body right. is not a good thing. No. And that is how I looked at my life, is that I'm going to be responsible for me. If I'm going to create enough money so I don't have to work, I'm the one who has to do it. It's not going to come from anywhere else. Yeah. So I had those personal conversations. Yeah. And I think it's important for people listening out there. Part of changing that mindset is updating that five-year-old and six-year-old software that's running you as an adult, and you're still making choices of, you know, you're not the boss of me, or I don't have to do that, or (laughs) nobody's coming. Whatever those tapes are, I don't know if people can use tapes anymore, but whatever (laughs) those voices are running on digital in our heads, we've got to reprogram them and update it so that it actually can serve the adult version of ourselves instead of still operating at that five or six-year-old level. You're absolutely right. And you know, and it's funny too, because the way I heard you say it, which I know what you meant because I brought it up, was have the five or six-year-old tapes or digital versions. No, no, no. It's if I'm 40 and I subtract six, 30, it's a 34-year-old right. tape that's running. <laughs> 
That's right. And there was tapes 34 years ago. There were. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, you know what I meant. <laughs> but that's so ingrained from an early age. And until we yeah. can start to have the awareness, which is not, like I said, that's a pain point, awareness, and then having the intention and the ability to actually start moving through it. Yeah. And it's a situation where you want to get through the pain. You want to get rid of the pain. There's two ways of doing it, hiding from it or facing it. Yeah. And the people who have the success are the ones who face it. I was willing to ask for help in that seminar. <laughs> and the only person who was offering the help was the only person I didn't want to talk yeah. to. What a great lesson. Well, absolutely. Opportunity doesn't always look like we expect it. And many people miss opportunity because it didn't come with a red bow or it didn't come wrapped in a specific wrapping paper. And pff, there it went. Yeah. Well, Rennie, we are at the Fast Five. The Fast Five, which is brought to you by Acorns, where you can invest spare change, bank smarter, save for retirement, and much more. For information, click on the link in the show notes. So, Rennie, we're going to go fast and furious. We're just going to roll through this, see what happens. You ready? I'm ready. All right. How often do you take vacations and time off? How often do I? Now, I take off at least one day a week. Mm -hmm. But because of the pandemic, we weren't able to do vacations. I take the whole family, extended family, their kids, grandkids, and we take at least one week trip together. And there's probably another one to two weeks a year that I take off as well. It's good to recharge. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the most expensive thing you've purchased that didn't meet your expectations? I don't purchase anything expensive. So I got to think about that. That didn't meet my expectations. Boy, that's going to be a tough one. Oh, I got a new computer for my wife. It's three months old and the camera isn't working now. <laughs> I would expect better. I would expect better. What do you secretly spend money on that you don't like people to know you spend money on? Hawaiian shirts at, no, I don't, that doesn't bother me. I was going to say Hawaiian shirts at thrift shops. Doesn't bother me. What I spend money on that? My wife spends a lot of money on flowers. And she's got so many already. I don't know where she puts them all. Gosh, I must be a real tight wad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That's all right. Do you recall an embarrassing money moment? Gosh, I really should have planned this ahead of time because I'm sure there is more than one. Well, we'll just have to have a follow-up call so we can, yeah. we can work this out. It's all good. Well, let me ask you this. What emotion do you experience the most? Happiness, gratitude the feeling that my life is blessed. I'd say gratitude is the biggest one. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I, I couldn't agree more. Gotta have it. You gotta have it. We are at our M&M moment, our money and motivation sweet spot. Is there a piece of wealth wisdom or a practical financial tip you could share with our listeners? The most important is that it doesn't matter if it's business success. It doesn't matter if it's relationship success. It still follows the same lines, and that is wealth creation, business growth, you name it, is a team sport, not a solo sport. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rennie, I knew that we were on similar mindsets, yeah. and so I was really excited to talk to you today. For me, really, that piece about gratitude, it's so instrumental in the way we approach life. From my perspective, if I don't have gratitude, it doesn't feel like there's not much point. And being able to be humble enough to go to the recycling bins and get what you need. There's so many people 
that will say, oh, I want this. And why don't I have it? Oh, what do I have to do to get it? Yeah, I'm not doing that. And I think what separates some of us is the willingness to say, it doesn't matter how it looks like or how embarrassing it is. I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to move through this instead of trying to work on a perfect image and trying to just skate by and hope nobody finds out. Like warts and all, (laughs) this is how I'm going to show up. Love it or leave it. I'm going to keep pushing through. And so I really appreciate this piece about saying like, this is embarrassing. I don't know how to do a budget. I don't know how to ask for help. I'm supposed to be these things. Look at my titles. Look at my position in life. Look at the neighborhood I live in. Yeah, and I don't know. It's a humbling place to be where we can look at that and say, and I still want to get to the other side. I'm not going to let this take me out. I'm going to forge through. Listen, two divorces and one failure. We've all had these kinds of things going on. And so many people, I think most of us, and I've been guilty of this, try to live our lives and hope our secrets never get exposed, right? If I can just make it to my last breath and nobody knows I've won. The reality is this is me. And the more we can be vulnerable and the more we can be honest with ourselves, the more we can have the whole world. I agree with you completely. You've summed it up beautifully. And it was such a pleasure to talk to you, Bob, and be on the show. I really enjoy who you are. Well, thank you. I love what you're doing out in the world. That's so awesome. Where can people find you online and social media? And we'll invite our listeners to go there. My name isn't the easiest to spell. Rennie is R-E-N-N-I-E. But if they go to Rennie Gabriel, they can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And if they go to my website, which is wealthonanyincome.com, and they put forward slash TEDx, they can get a free nine-step roadmap to complete financial choice and philanthropy. I donate 100% of the profits from the work I do to charities. And there's a 27-page explanation of this nine-step roadmap. And they can hear my TED Talk, where we'll cover some of the stuff we covered here. That's awesome. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. And it just made me realize we could probably spend a whole hour or more talking about the importance of philanthropy and service, at least from my perspective. I think it's so important. And I think it's so important that we pay it forward if we have the opportunity, which I think we all do, even if it's giving somebody a hug or a smile, it doesn't cost anything. It's so important. So I appreciate that you're doing that in the world as well. Rennie, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Bob. And I look forward to it as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn something new about your relationship to money today? Maybe you have a friend who has some financial blocks or beliefs that are holding them back. Please share this podcast so they too can get off the roller coaster ride of financial fears and journey towards financial freedom. To learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. We'll be back next week with another perspective on money and the emotions that bind us. Bye.